Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. All right, let's go John 16. We're going to start there this morning. The message I have for us this morning is entitled, The Perfect Ask. That's what, uh, that's what we're going for this morning, the, the perfect ask. Can you look at somebody this morning and say, is there such a thing as the perfect ask? <clears throat> well, we'll find out, okay? John 16, verse 22, um, and we'll read to verse 24. And um, I just want to say, like, right up front, I really think that uh, something's going to break for some of you today. Um, so I just want you to get your eyes on Jesus and put your faith in Him this morning because my job is to equip you and just empower you with some truth and some skill this morning that will really enable you to, uh, to walk in the fullness of what God wants for your life. I, I really believe heaven has a lot for you. I really believe God has more for you. I really believe He's called you to be blessed and to be a blessing. And, uh, and what you're going to learn this morning is, is going to equip you and enable you to, to walk in the fullness of what God has called you for. So we're going to read verse, six, verse 22 to 24 of John 16. It says the following. It says, So you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I'm taken from you. Jesus talking to his disciples. But he's talking about his crucifixion. But you will see me again. And then your hearts will burst with joy, with no one being able to take it from you. For here is an eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will go directly to the Father. Can you say directly to the Father? So Jesus is talking about a shift here in his disciples, okay? There's a, they've been going to Jesus. Jesus, we've run out of food. Jesus, we've run out of wine. Jesus, this person needs help. This person needs deliverance. Jesus, we need to pay our taxes. Jesus, 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 help us. Jesus, you're the Jesus. Help us, you know? We need, we need things, and we're going to you. And, and Jesus is saying, there's, there, I'm going, and then I'm going to come back, and there's going to be a shift here. There's going to be a change, all right, it's no longer about you you're coming to me. You won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will be able to go directly to the Father and ask Him for anything you desire. And He will give it to you because of your relationship with me. He's talking about a shift. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, what one thing you notice is that everybody's going to Jesus for things. And Jesus is also going somewhere. Where is Jesus going? He's going to... The Father, all right? Your Father in heaven because of what Jesus has done. So can you see, Can I want you to see what Jesus is doing. He's talking about a shift, a change. You're no longer going to come to me. But now the whole purpose of me being here is so that I can put you in relationship with the Father. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to pay the price for your sin. I'm going to make a way so that you can come boldly to a throne of grace, to the Father in heaven. The guy I've been going to this whole time, he will now be your dad. And everything that you've seen me do, you can do as well. Because you now have access to him because of me and what I've done in your life. So Jesus' whole point was to actually bring us all into relationship with the Father. That you would have a Father 
in heaven. That you would be able to say, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. We need to let go of that orphan mentality, amen? That street kid mentality that we have a Father in heaven. We have an amazing, perfect Father in heaven who loves us and who cares for us. And Jesus came to build, a, to, to make a way so we could have relationship with Him. Look at how Jesus just so simply says, You can ask Him for anything, and He'll do it for you, and He'll give it to you because of your relationship with me. I want you to know it's because of your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> It's because you know Jesus. It's because Jesus went to the cross. I, without that, there is no going to the Father, people. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. All right? But the way has been made now. And then he carries on and he says the following. He says, until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. Isn't that interesting? They weren't, they didn't, up until that point, they didn't have the same thing that Jesus had. Jesus was bold when he went to his dad. They didn't have that. But now you can ask and keep on asking him. Can you say, I'm going to ask? And I'm going to keep on asking. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But now you can ask and keep on asking him. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and your joy will have no limits. Exclamation mark. (laughs) Your joy will have no limits. Isn't it great when we get things that we've been asking for? Isn't isn't there great joy when we ask and we do receive? Jesus is talking here, and he's saying that he came to build this relationship with the Father... And what he's doing is he's trying to show what type of relationship we have with this father. It's an asking relationship. Okay? That's what he's saying over here. And he's unashamedly saying it. You know, like so often in the church, you just, you know, in, in the world we live in, it's like it's rude to ask. And you know, how many of you grew up in families where, you know, when you went and visited another family, your parents would warn you in the car and say, you do not ask for anything. Don't ask for juice. You don't ask for... If they offer, you take. But if you do not ask, okay? We constantly tell... You know, it's like rude to go and ask for birthday presents or Christmas presents. Like in the world we live in, asking is like... It's like a shameful thing. It's seen as like a, a thing like we, we embarrass to ask. We don't like to ask. I want you to know that that's, that's the world we live in. That's what we grow up with. That's what's rooted into us. And Jesus is trying to show us actually that, no, the the relationship that I'm bringing you into is one where you can ask and keep asking and go and ask. It's an asking. It's your responsibility to ask. You're a child. He's your father. He wants to provide. He wants good things for you. So you need to go and you have to ask and ask and keep asking. Okay? Like get Get, become an Oscar, all right? Amen. All right, we, we've got to learn how to ask, okay? Like some of us, you know, we just so, in, we, we beg, we don't ask, you know what I mean? And we're ashamed to, to go, and you know, it's like, it's like the, almost the last place we want to go sometimes is to ask for God. 
When Jesus is talking about something different here, he's talking about a different relationship here. Man, your foundation, your starting point with God is you can ask. This is it. And he's unashamed. He's telling us. And he's like, I can almost see him getting excited here. He's like, guys, guys, you can go directly to him now because of what I'm doing and ask and keep asking and you're going to receive. And your joy is going to be like, boom. It's going to be so exciting for you. And, and this is, so this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And it's really interesting because when I look at a lot of Christians, this is something we don't really have joy in. You know, we, we, we don't have any joy in this. And we don't like going to ask for things. And we'd prefer not to. We'd actually prefer to be self-sufficient. You know, come on, let's be honest. It's much easier. How many of you would much prefer just to have a couple bar in the bank? That's a million, all right, for the bar. <laughs> a couple mil in the bank. How many of you would prefer to go through life with a couple mil in the bank than nothing in the bank and a relationship with God? <laughs> Now I'm hitting where it hurts. Woo! Isn't that how we'd prefer to live? Let's be honest this morning. We'd rather have security here and not have to go to a Father in heaven. I mean, sometimes when we, we think about you, you know some people, they live by faith. Like, really, they, li- they live completely by faith. I've got a friend who's like, he just lives, he's a, an itinerant minister. He lives completely on faith with four children. That's how he lives. Whatever comes in, that's paying the bills. You know? And we're like, Yo. <laughs> I could never. You know, I would lo- I much prefer to go to a place where they're getting the job and they get that salary slip every month. And I know, and then I can budget. And da-da-da. Our faith, our faith is so rooted in the world and in our flesh and in our own abilities, and in our own stuff. And it's, and it's like, we, we, I want you to know this morning that we're, we're like diseased with this thing, okay? We're like, we have this, this, this the human conditions, the sinful man, is that we're so self-reliant, so self-proud, so much rather go through life with a couple mil in the bank than ha- and then live by faith and have a relationship with God. In fact, we view our relationship with God as it's not like a couple bar. It's not like the most important thing. It's not like actually the, our, our, our jackpot, if you like. You know what I mean? Like Jesus is basically saying, this is the jackpot, people. This is the real jackpot. But like we, we do not want to go to that. We'd much rather be here. Is this making sense? Mm, I'm standing on toes this morning. Let's crucify some toes this morning, man. <laughs> and and so this and this thing of like asking um, in our lives, and we ask and then we don't receive, and then we're getting disappointed by it, and there's frustration around it, and there's hurt, and there's doubt, and there's confusion, and will he and won't he, and I don't know if I can, and there's this thing that Jesus actually was so excited to tell us about is actually in a lot of Christians' life a point of much frustration and much anguish and confusion 
Okay, and so what, what's going on here? I want to unpack that this morning. I want to ask the question, well, why? What, what, what's actually going on here? What are, what are we missing in this whole equation? Um, first thing, I want to go to Psalm 145 and just, just build a little bit of a foundation around this. <clears throat> You're okay? 145 verse 15 will come up. It says this. The eyes, can we read it together? The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. This is talking about God here. This is giving us a picture of God. This is a scripture that I love, all right? This is such a beautiful picture of our Father in heaven. All of creation, eyes expectantly on Him. You give them food in their due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. I want you to know that God has positioned Himself as the source of all things in creation. Well, you know that God has positioned himself, not because we want him to be, but because he wants to be, and because he is the provider of all things. He has set himself up as a provider. He has revealed himself in the scriptures as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. As Jehovah El Shaddai, the, the all-sufficient one, the one, the almost, it actually means full-breasted ones, the one who doesn't run out, who's always got enough. He's positioned himself as that. He's revealed himself as that. And when we look at the scripture, it says he just opens his hand. And the desire of every living thing is satisfied. I always think like, well, what is in his hand? You know, he just opens that hand and, and everything, the desire of everything is, is met. People, I want you to know that your dad is wealthy. I want you to know that your dad has more than enough. I want you to know that you might be looking at some debt this morning. You might be looking at some tough circumstances. You might be looking at the, the decreasing account. You might be looking at SARS letters. I don't know what you're looking at this morning, but I want you to know that that is nothing for our Father in heaven. If He can open His hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing, man, I wonder just like He could just, you know, give a wink and your, your thing will be sorted out. Okay, that it's not too difficult for the Lord. Amen? He is big. He's bigger than your debt. He's bigger than your bond. He's bigger than the trial. He's bigger than your, what you're looking at as giants in your life right now. Maybe it's that the job hasn't come or the whatever hasn't come. I want you to know He can solve that. He can solve that. He's the solver of these things. He's the one who works these things out for us. <clears throat> Next scripture I want to take us to is John fifteen sixteen. He says the following. He says, I haven't cho- you have not chosen me. Let's read it together. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name he may give it to you. Jesus, once again, pointing us to the Father. 
telling us to go and ask the Father in His name, in all that He represents, and that the Father will give it to you. The Father will make a way for you. The first thing I want you to notice in this passage is that God has chosen you and ordained you to go and bear fruit. You know, when you read this passage in light of the rest of the Scripture, this is the, this is the point of like a new beginning, like a new dispensation, a new, the new covenant is about to be revealed. John 15, this is like Jesus talking about the new covenant that God is making with mankind. If you rewind the clock and you look at the older covenants that he made, what you'll find is that when he created Adam and Eve, what was his command to them? Go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion. All right, then the earth was destroyed in the days of Noah, and he came to Noah, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, take dominion where you are, expand, do not decrease, do not hide out, you know, fill the earth, multiply, bring it under subjection. And so he has Jesus talking to his disciples on the dispensation of a new, on the, on the brink of a new dispensation, and he's saying pretty much, the same words. They would hear these words and they, they would definitely think about the old scriptures. And what, is, what exactly is Jesus saying here? That I'm ordaining you to go f- and bear f- fruit. What, what is he saying? He's basically saying, I've called you to prosper in this life. I've called you to flourish. I haven't called you to diminish, decrease, survive, and just get by. I've called you to subdue the earth. I've called you to start that business, to gain those customers, to expand, bring the kingdom into your business, make sure your workers get saved, the gospel's flourishing, take money out of that business, fund the missions in the church, start other churches, more disciples get made, the kingdom comes to them, people can come and then they get healed, their souls get healed. You're an active part of God's kingdom being established on the earth. Be fruitful multiply. I've chosen you for it. I've ordained you for it. This is what I want for you. And the reason why I'm highlighting it this morning is because sometimes the world, you know, comes and beats us up to the place where we get into a surviving mentality and not a thriving mentality. We get to the place where, "Mm, I'm grinding stuff here this morning. (laughs) I feel like I'm hitting this hard. Okay. I've got the dukes up. Okay. Can you put your dukes up? We're breaking some stuff this morning, okay? The world is coming at us and is trying to beat us down into a place where we just survive and just get by when God has ordained us to thrive and to be fruitful and to have more than enough. And I'm going to connect you with the Father and you can ask whatever and it will come. So what he's trying to say here is that you are the channel for the Father to come to earth. You're the link between heaven and earth. I've ordained you, I've chosen you to go and bear fruit and ask the Father. Jesus is trying to say, listen, you're going to go out there, you're going to encounter lack. You're going to encounter, there won't be enough. You're going to encounter that out there, but I'm linking you to the Father. And you can ask Him and it will, and he'll do it. So the first scripture I showed you was is Psalm 145, where, where God has set himself up as this provision. But then I want you to see over here is that God is then ordaining you and me 
as accessors of the provision. As accessors of the provision. And the way we access is through this thing called asking. Okay? So, so we are the channel for God's blessing to come to the earth. God's ordained it. Jesus has chosen us for it. And I want you to start seeing yourself as that. You are a channel through which the kingdom is meant to come to the earth. You're a channel for God's blessing to come to this earth. So if you're seeing lack and you're seeing things that are not kingdom, I want you to know that you are the link between what is available and what is lacking. You are the channel for that. God's ordained you to be that. So be fruitful and multiply. It's like a, it's a command. In fact, one thing we notice in Scripture, if you really want to irritate God, is just don't bear any fruit. Just don't. Watch Him get mad. <laughs> Watch Him get mad, you know. Watch how that just frustrates the heck out of him, you know. That's one thing we we, we got to watch out for. Another word for fruit actually is, is the word results. It's just go and bear results. <clears throat> go and have some results. Okay, you believe in God. Awesome. Like what's the result of that? Is there any difference <clears throat> in your life, in your business, in your career, in your job? In, is there any difference between you and somebody who doesn't know God? I'm going to irritate you this morning. Sorry. <laughs> is there any difference? I mean, there should be some result of my faith in God. There should be some fruit of my faith. There should be something that's happening in my life and around my life that says that I have a God who looks after me. I have a Father in heaven. Go bear some fruit. You know, it, it is not... Man, we've, we've got to lift up our eyes, people. God sees so much more for you. He sees so much more for you. I want you to know He can do beyond your wildest dreams and imagination. He can, he can, he can bless your socks off, man. <laughs> he can do so much more that you can, look, you can get to a point in your life where you look back and you go, Jesus, like, are you serious? Like, He could do, and, and, and just be astounded at, at His work. Just be astounded at what He can do. That's the God that we serve. So, whatever... You ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. If you, if you have a Bible, you can underline whatsoever. <laughs> it's like a, there's a whatever in there. We must pay attention to that. Okay? When it, when it says whatever, it means like any, whatever. That's what it means. Like, like there's no limit. Like, Lord, can, can you heal this? Lord, can you do this? Maybe this is too small to ask. Maybe I should do this in my own strength. No, there's a whatever there. So it really, it might seem, you know, really small to you, all right? And, and, and it might seem like, man, you know, maybe I shouldn't bother God with this, but there is a whatever there. So there are things, you know, Lord, I just need a new pair of shoes. Maybe you think that's not like, you know, like whatever somebody else is asking. And so you may be a little ashamed to, you know, it's too small and no, whatever, whatever. Amen. Look at somebody and say, whatever, whatever. All right. <clears throat> so Jesus <clears throat> continues to point us to the father. 
continues to point us to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Whatever you ask. In Matthew 7, He talks about ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll keep open. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. He who knocketh, it shall be opened. So asking and receiving is really the Christian life. When I look at it. Like that's really something that should define our lives is that we... We live in the space of asking and receiving, of asking and receiving. It's like this is, this is what we, this is what we called for. This is how we operate. This is how we see Jesus functioning. This is how we should be functioning. Let me ask you this morning, how's your asking? How's your asking? Where's your asking? Is it written down somewhere? Is it defined? Is it determined is it do you know what you're asking for did you ask for something yesterday and then change your mind today what is your asking if asking and receiving is such a big part of the christian life we 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 should like examine how is our asking when was the last time i did some asking how did i ask when i asked You know, if this is defining me and my role in this earth, and this is what I'm ordained and called to do, is like be this access channel for heaven to come to earth, all right? Kind of like what we see in the life of Joseph, you know? Joseph was, was, was able to access the wisdom of God and release it into provision so the whole world could be fed. How many people could you feed? Do you want to feed any people? Have you asked that you could feed people? If God could take one man, Joseph, and feed the whole world, people, through one guy's faith and and one guy accessing heaven, one guy accessing the provision of God, what could he do with you? you? Are you asking just for you or is it beyond you? Is it really something that God can do, or is it just something that you're going to just do anyway? But you're asking because asking is like religious. You know, we just attach it. Oh, Lord, give us safe travels, but I know I'm going to be safe. I'm going to drive safe on the road. <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean? Like, a, oh, Lord, would you provide for us this month? But I know I've got a job, and I'm going to get a salary at the end of it. You know, that, that, you know? That's, that's like a, what, what, what am I asking actually for? You know what I mean? Like, like, is, is, there, <clears throat> is there any substance to my asking? Is there any weight to my asking? Yeah. We're going after the perfect ask this morning. We're going to be good at this thing. Amen. Yeah. Guys, God has called us for big things in this city. Man, we, we, we've, we've got to bring some transformation here. We, we've got to feed some people. We've got to house some people. We've got to pay some bills. We've got to heal some people. We've got to start looking after some families. We've we got to start. We, how are we going to do that? Oh, well, I, I don't know because all I got this month. Well, well, well why are you looking in your pocket? When, when did Jesus say that when stuff runs out, you go look in your pockets? Did he tell you to do that? Because no, when I look at him, what he's telling me to do is go to the Father and ask for whatever, and and it'll be done. How big is your ask this morning? How scientific, how, how exact is your ask this morning? 
The things you're asking for last year, are you still asking for them this year? Or did you give up on those things? And then you just you changed and you, you went for something else. You know, God, I want this car, this type of car. And then, and then ah, actually, the new model comes out. I'm like, I now I want the... We've got to get better at asking. We've got to get better at asking. We've got, to, we've got to start looking at this thing in our lives and just bringing it out and saying, well, what, how is it working? Why are we not getting this thing right? Well, let, I, I want to take you to James, James chapter 1. <clears throat> and I want to highlight something, which I think is, is a problem for some of us. <laughs> I feel like this, this is quite a problem. Um, and this was ringing in my head most of this week. So, so this is it this morning, okay? You're now, we've gone past the salad and the rolls. We're now into the steak, people. Are you, are you okay? Let's go. Let's read it together. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all, sorry, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Can you just say ouch? You know, you can't read the book of James without getting a few ouches. This guy, it's one of the apostles I'm, you know, I'm not excited to meet. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's hardcore. He doesn't hold punches, eh? You know, so what we, if we just look at this passage, our asking is meant to be with, in faith, all right, in believing, and with no doubting. With no doubting. In fact, it's, it, go, it basically says that if there is doubting in our asking, we ra- we're wasting our time. Amen. You're like, I don't know what you're doing, but, but you know what? Rather go out and work. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> cause this is not going to work. Okay. Now, now, guys, we're training. Amen? Amen. We're training. God is Jesus. He's training us. He's taking us to new levels of maturity. And, and I, I don't want you to feel condemned this morning because, you know, sometimes we just... We, we don't get things right. But God is calling us to be a church that models prayer and models it well. Amen. And the fruits of prayer, okay? That's why we have a 24-7 prayer room. God is, God is calling. He's, listen, I feel like it's going to be impossible to be in this church and pray, like, badly. Okay? That's why I'm making that a goal here. All right. Like, we, we are going to get this thing right, okay? We're going to master this thing. We're going to get this thing right. So when, when, so this, when we come with asking here, it's got to be in faith without doubting. Jesus said the same thing in Mark 11, 24. He said this. He said, therefore, I say to you, whatever things, there's a whatever again. Praise the Lord. Come on. Whatever things you ask when you pray, so asking and praying, same thing. Believe that you receive them, and then you will have them. Question, when do you start believing? When the answer comes? Oh, I, fi- I got what I asked for. Now I believe you love me, God. Now I believe that you are really able. 
I saw the, the ding ding on my, you know, the SMS come through, XYZ deposited in my account. Jesus, you really are. Come on, don't we do that? Don't we do that? Don't, don't we ask and then hold and then look suspiciously at the Lord like, hmm. I'm, I'm watching. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Ding, ding. Oh, Jesus. Yo, I praise you now. That, that kind of faith is like the Israelites coming out of wilderness, the wilderness. Freaking out. And then when God provides, God, we love you. And when there's like, God, where are you? And then God provides and it's, God, we love you. It's just this like seesaw ride of like emotional, I don't know what, where we, where we just, we're on this emotional roller coaster with God. And we, but actually what we are, we're rooted in doubt. Doubt is in us. And let me tell you something. There is only, oh, you're not going to like this. More toes to be crucified this morning. There's only one way to deal with that, and that's to push you to your limits. There's only one way to get, like, the doubt out of us, and that's to push us to the place where we really have to trust Him and Him alone. So save yourself some pain. <laughs> Declare war on doubt in your life now. Declare war on it. That thing is not your friend. It's not there to help you. You know, in the world we live in, it's, it's good to doubt. It's good to, you know, look at things and have other opinions about it and maybe and maybe not and keep options open. In the kingdom, it's not a good thing. When it's there, it nullifies the whole equation. Let not such a person think they will receive anything because they're double-minded, unstable in all their ways. So this thing is like an enemy of, of the asking process. And we've got to make sure this thing is out in order to really engage and receive what God has for us. The Israelites going through the wilderness, all right? The, it says that God gave them manna every single day. Okay. Every single day, he gave them manna. Every day, they would wake up, they would eat manna. All right, Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner for 40-something years. Okay. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. But this was the generation that when we look at them, one, one thing stood out to them is that they did, they did not declare war on doubt. They remained immature in their asking. They kept doubting God's promises. They kept doubting what God had said. Even to the point where they're about to go into the promised land, the fruit comes back, it's amazing, and they're like, no, there's giants. There's, it's too big, and they're going to kill us. And the doubt, in Hebrews it says they were not able to enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. They were rooted in unbelief. And when, you know, we can't just look at them and go, that was them. It's us. We like that too. We're immature. We, we don't want to grow. We'd rather have a couple bar in the bank than trust in God. Let's be honest. That shows how, where our hearts really are. It shows where, how much we value our Father in heaven and what we really believe He's able to do in our lives. Can't love God and love money. You know, in the same thing. You've got to sort out your affection issue. Which one do you love more? 
Which one do you want more of? <laughs> Which one do you feel more secure with? Well, I got God. I got Jesus. Nothing in the bank? Are you okay? You still all right? Are you sure? <laughs> Can't love God and love this thing. We've, we've got to have our trust rooted in Him. So there they are in the wilderness, 40 years. They go, they, they go through this, this now, this process of, of like eating manna every single day. I don't know about you, but that is a, that's like a real test. They, they, weren't, they couldn't work. They couldn't provide for themselves. There was nothing they could do in their own strength to get that manna the next day. They just had to trust that every single day, manna would be there. They had to trust every single day. Some of them were a bit nervous. They said, what if it doesn't come tomorrow? So they try to store up a little bit more, put it in a cupboard so that tomorrow they would be okay. When they arrived, the manna that they put in the cupboard was full of worms and rotten. It was enough for each day. Some of you are in that season right now where it's literally just enough for each day. What is the point of the season? The point is to get doubt out of you. It's to get you to that place where you just, God is my provider. God is the one who will make a way. God is the one who will take my life forward. God is the one who can take me into the promised land. I, my faith is in Him. not in any, they, they could not put any of their own strength into that equation. Nothing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I told you today, listen, I want you to go home. No lot of work. There'll be a meal delivered to you every single day. You just got to have faith that it's there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and imagine if every day it was the same meal. Like first day it arrives, it's Nando's, you know, you're stoked. <laughs> day three, still stoked. <laughs> day four, it's like, yeah, is there anything else besides Nando's? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's just enough. It's just enough. It's, it's, it's not the abundance. It's not the, you know, and, you, and there's nothing you can do. You can't, you can't work. You can't go out. You just have to have faith that it will be there every single day. That's a test, people. In Deuteronomy, it, uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy, it said that the whole purpose of that was this, so that man might learn that he does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's something here. They had to learn, right? That man does not live on bread alone. Okay, natural means. What do you have to do to get bread? Plant, harvest, plow, bring in, knead. You know, I'm, I'm a bread maker. I love, you know, but you have to work, labor. Man does not live by labor, alone, my own strength alone, but also by every word. That proceeds from the mouth. There's two parts to you. There is the, your labor part. But then there's this other component to you. And you need to learn, people of God, that you do not depend only on what your, what your labor can do. 
Some of you can't trust God beyond what you're, what you're only able to do in your strength. The full extent of your vision for your life is rooted completely in your own strength and what only you can do. And the result of that is that sometimes then we have to go through a season of just enough where we're learning, we're forced to learn, we're forced to trust God. Things are stripped away from us and so, we have to trust, we have to learn that man, that I do not live by my own labor. That I am not fully dependent on only me, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That I would start to have faith for the supernatural power of God to come into my life and enable me. You know, it's, a, it's, the, it's called the pride of life in Scripture. It's where, where we, we feel, where we feel, where, where we actually think that even when we go and do our work and get it back, that it was done by our own hands. <laughs> well, you know, John the Baptist says, man can have nothing unless heaven gives it to him first. Deuteronomy 8 says that, you know, that we, we should not trust in ourselves, but it's he who gives us the power to create wealth. And he was worried about them going into the promised land. And he warned them in Deuteronomy 8. And he's like, guys, listen, when you get in there and you're prospering and everything's happening, I want you to remember that it's, don't get to that place where you're like, oh, look at what my hands have done. At the end of the day, it was always the supernatural power of God working through your labor to produce way more than what you could have done in your own strength. You know, we, we don't actually even realize that even this morning, guys, as we sit here, we breathe because of him. Our hearts are beating because of Him. If you've got some skills behind your name, you've got some, you know, maybe some money in the bank, you've got some, you've got a healthy body, you've got a healthy mind, I want you to know it's all Him. At the end of the day, none of that was you. <laughs> no, no, it was all the supernatural component of God working in your life. And, and, and He wants you, He really wants you this morning to, under, to shift from, from natural thinking into to supernatural. He really wants you to, to start plugging into the supply that heaven has. He wants you to live a life that's more than enough. But you have to learn how to get doubt out. Amen? You still okay? Look at somebody and say, get doubt out. <clears throat> you know, this faith thing is seems... You know, when you read it, like, you know, like we often simplify faith. As faith is trust God, you know. We like, we simplify this thing, but, but actually there's more to it, eh? There's like, there's quite a lot more to it. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't be like rebuking his disciples and constantly getting frustrated with them and say, oh, you of little faith and oh, faithless generation. And, you know, he's like, why did you have doubt? Peter, walking on water. Come on. Jesus, at your word, call me out. He gets out, he starts walking on water. That's how powerful faith is. We do the impossible things. We start walking on water, amen? We start to see God move in incredible ways. And then what did he do? He took his eyes off the voice of the Lord, put them on the circumstances around him, and he starts to sink. Jesus rescues him because he loves us. Faith is so powerful that it got Peter walking on water, people. But doubt 
is so powerful it almost got him drowned. <laughs> you know, it's possible we can start in faith and end in doubt. You know, so, so this thing doubt of doubt is, 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 is really just, you know, faith sometimes we think is just, just we believe, but actually what we're doing is it's just mental assent. You know, it's just like, oh, we accept it as true. Faith is, is there's more to faith. There's, faith is, faith is, is a lot more. It's, it's, it's my heart sorted out. It's my mouth sorted out. It's my thoughts sorted out. You know, it's, it's not like I'm confessing it and then one thing over here and then the rest of my actions and everything are saying something completely different to that. You know, faith, faith is like it's fully aligned. When it's really working, it's, it's, it's going 100%. And so this doubt condition needs to come out. Amen? He, he talks about the, in the scripture, James, if we just go back to the James scripture, he says two things here. The person who doubts is like a wave, all right, of the ocean driven and tossed by the wind. Right. <clears throat> Waves work on the, there's a beautiful analogy here, okay? Beautiful thing here I want you to get. So waves, most waves are formed by wind. So the water, the wave, I mean, sorry, the wind, the wind blows over the water and causes friction and transfers energy into the water, and so waves are formed. The water, wherever it is in the world, is completely subject to the wind. Whichever way the wind blows, the water goes that way. And there's a metaphor here for life. It's, it's like the, the, the ocean is a picture of the world. And to be a wave in the ocean is to be a person of the world. Okay, off the world system. The wind blowing over the, the, the ocean is really the spirit of the world, you know? And the spirit of the world, man, is, is crazy. It just blows this way and that way. I mean, look at the world. You know, one thing, one day you're famous and amazing. The next day everybody hates you. You know, it's just like this way, then that way. You know, one day, you know, margarine's good and butter's bad. Now, butter's good, margarine's bad. I don't even know which one, you know? It's like... One day it's good to do the, then the next day this, you know? It's like, it's confusing out there, you know? Uh, it's just like we, we're just driven whichever way the wind blows. And so the, the, the metaphor there is, is that you're, you're a person of the world under the power of the world, and the world just blows you whichever way it wants. You're completely moved by what's going on in the world. And he's describing... A person who's not fixed, stable in what they believe and why they believe it. Somebody who is rooted in Christ. Somebody who's planted in the scriptures. Somebody who's like, the word is my lead. The spirit of God is my lead, is my, is my plumb line. Um, you know, this type of person, one day they are sure that God has said something. The next day they're not so sure. You know, one day they're asking God for some day, something. The next day they're asking for something different. One day God loves me, the next day I'm not sure. One day he's called me here, then the next day he's calling me there. It's like there's no stability. I'm just blowing whichever way. And he calls this person a double-minded person. In Greek, it's the word dipsikos, which means two-spirited or two-souled. <clears throat> and then he says, let not such a person think they will receive anything from the Lord. So listen, if you've got plans on receiving something from the Lord, I don't know what it is, a house, a car, or, you know, whatever, you know, a spouse, something. If you've got some plans on receiving from the Lord, you need to really pay attention to this passage, 
All right? You need to pay attention that, that we are not like that wave that's driven and tossed by the wind. Okay? That we're not up, one, down, that, that, but that we're people that are stable in what God has said. Um, there's, we could turn our attention. I'll close with this this morning. Um, turn, I just want to turn our attention to Jacob. <clears throat> Jacob. <laughs> you got to love Jacob, hey? Genesis 32, all right? Um, just the prelude to this is, is Jacob, we know, was born second to his brother Esau. Okay, they were, they were twins, all right? There was a twin, but, but he, Esau came out first, and Jacob came out grabbing his heel, all right? Holding on to his brother's heel. I'm coming, you know, you're going out, I'm going out too, you know? And, um, and, in, and in Hebrew culture, you know, and in the context of the story that we read, starting with Abraham, one of the key things, the, the, the actual, the overriding theme is the blessing of God. God comes and blesses Abraham. Abraham transfers the blessing onto Isaac, you know, and, and then from Isaac, the blessing is going to be transferred onto who? Because there's twins, you know, there's, who's going to get it? And it's, in Hebrew culture, it's the firstborn that's going to get it. Um, and so they're waiting and they're watching which one comes out first, and it's Esau who comes out first, and he's marked, this is the son of promise, and, but there's Jacob, like, ah, don't exclude me, don't exclude me, I'm, you, I, I heard there's a blessing out there, I heard there's something going on, I, you do not leave me out of this, I'm in on this thing as well, comes out gripping onto that thing, so it's almost like they come out together, and they name him Jacob, which means trickster or supplanter, Okay, and, and then you have Esau. And so Jacob goes through his life, and unfortunately, it's a horrible name, you know, Jacob, because it's trickster, supplanter, it's, you know, it doesn't, in, in Hebrew, it's like really nothing, it doesn't, it's not like a noble name, you know. And so you just start to see this prophetic identity unfold, you know. As his name is declared, he starts to become a bit of a trickster, a swindler, and but one thing we notice about this guy is, is that he is single-minded about the blessing of God. I mean, right from birth, he's holding on to that thing. Then, you know, he, he, he kind of manipulates his brother out of the blessing. Then he tricks his dad into giving him the blessing that was meant for his brother. You're like going full out, like wearing <laughs> hair on his arms and neck. Because his brother's a hairy guy. He must, Esau must have been quite an interesting character. You know? You know, and, and like really does everything to get this blessing, okay? Then, you know, he, 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 he leaves and he goes and has wives and children. And then he, because he, Esau wants to kill him. And so he has to run away. He establishes a life. But then he has to come back to his own land. And while he's on his way back, Esau, a word comes to him. says that Esau's coming for you with 400 men. Like, that's not a welcome committee. That's an army. That's an army right there. Okay? And then, and then we see something interesting in, in Jacob's life. Is that, you know, with this army approaching him, he, he sends everyone, his wives and children over. He sends gifts. He, sends, he does whatever he can in his own strength. And then he has this moment, this amazing moment here in Genesis 32, where it says that he wrestled with a man until daybreak wrestling with the man. And, you know, we pick up the story here. It says, then the man said, let me go. Like Jacob would not let him go. Si bambalela kujesu. Right? All right? Singa dendeli. Is that right? Yeah. 
We don't let him go. So he's not letting go. The guy, the guy says to him, let, let me go. All right? For dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go. What? Unless you bless me. Lord, I'm not going to let this thing go. I want to see this in my life. Lord, I'm not going to let this, this fear that cripples me every time rule in my life. I'm going to see it go. Lord, I'm not going to see you know, I, the, this, this, gener, this po- generational poverty come into, into my home. I'm drawing a line here and saying, no longer. I'm walking in something new. Lord, I'm not going to let go of the fact that you've called us to have children. Lord, I'm not going to let go of the fact that you said I'll get married one day. Lord, I'm not going to let go of the fact that you said I will have that job. I'm not going to let it go, Lord. I am. Can you say single-minded? Look at somebody and say he was single-minded. He was, he knew what he wanted. I don't know what he saw in his grandfather Abraham's life or in his father Isaac's life, but he knew they had this thing. He knew that, they, and he saw them prosper. He saw something there, and he was like, I want that thing. He wasn't entitled to it. He wasn't. He was excluded from it, right? He wasn't entitled to it, and he didn't deserve it because of the life he was living. But because he was single-minded, he got it. Look at what happens. Look at what happens. You, what is your name? This, look, at almost everything, this wrestling match goes on all night. And then these words come out of Jacob's mouth. I will not let you go until you bless me. It's almost like God was waiting for that. He was waiting for that moment, just that declaration of single-mindedness. You know, sometimes we feel like we're wrestling with God and we're struggling with Him about something, but we... About so many things, but it's, it's like the wrestle is there to bring us to the place where, where it's like, no, this is what I want. This is what I feel I'm called to. This is what, you know, there's something good about that wrestle with God, that wrestle that happens where, where it brings us to the place where we, he, where we know what He really wants for our lives. I almost feel like this is exactly what this whole wrestling match was about. It was to bring Jacob to the place where just say it. Come on. Come on. What, what are you all angry about? What are you all scared about? I'm scared about my brother coming. And I, you, I thought this. What do you want? What do you want? I will not let you go until you bless me. And it's like that just changes everything right there. Then he turns to him and says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. In Hebrew, when you look at that passage, it's, it's not covered in English. And when he says Jacob, it's actually in shock, in a whisper, in realization, in shame. He says, Jacob. Jacob. Nothing good. I'm disqualified. There's nothing good in me. I'm not entitled to it. That's who I am. All right? It's a point of like realizing who he really is before God. Okay, it's a beautiful thing. And then he says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought, struggled with God and with men and have won. And then he blessed Jacob there. Something incredible happened in that moment. Something when he came to, like he realized who, what he was really after in God, single-mindedness, 
when you realize who he really was before God, he was transformed in that moment from Jacob to Israel. Israel, people, I want you to know the name Israel is like, it's like the reward that he gives Jacob in this moment. You're no longer Jacob. You are Israel. It's like a crown. It's like a reward for, for his tenacity, for his single-mindedness, for his determination, for his like, I am not going to let go, Jesus, until I see this, until I'm walking in full health, Jesus, every condition gone in Jesus' name. I'm not relenting, Jesus, until I see this. It's like this reward comes from that. And the word Israel or Israel in uh, Hebrew, um, it comes from two words, which is soror and el. Okay, soror means basically uh, to prevail or have power as a prince. And el is God's name. All right, it's the abbreviation of God's name. El Shaddai, El Elyon, Samuel, all right? E-L is always God's name. And God's like, I'm putting my name now into your name basically symbolic of I'm in covenant with you from this moment forward. All right, you and I are in covenant. And so when you translate it, it, the word Israel means to have power with God or to be a prince of God. In fact, the Strong's Concordance takes it much further and says that it's um, to rule as God on the earth. (laughs) Single-mindedness is what puts, puts us in the same position. It puts us in this position where we have power with God, where we, have, where we are prince of God, where, where it's like, where God is like, I'm taking you seriously. You're a contender with me. You're, you're like, you, you rule on the earth like I rule on the earth. This is like a graduation moment for Jacob over in this, in this situation. He wasn't entitled to it. He didn't deserve it. But because of single-mindedness, he got it. When we read the Gospels, one thing we notice, people, there were others who didn't, weren't entitled and they didn't deserve it. But because they were single-minded about it, they got it. All right? So I want us to know this morning. All right? can, we, can we just stand? I'm, I'm finishing on that. I want us to know this morning. <clears throat> You still okay? I want us to know that we we got to mature in our faith. Thank you for that, Amen. Appreciate it. God bless you for that, Amen. I want you to know that we need to mature in our faith. Maturity is not something that we that we that we like really aspire to and want to do. Hey, it's kind of like we, we enjoy just staying immature often. But we've got to mature in our faith. And some of you are in a season of just enough. Okay? Some of you are in a season where man, it's just enough. And you're wondering, like, God, where is the abundance? Where is what you promised? Where is what you've said? Where is the, you know, that thing that I see in my spirit? 
I have an encouragement to you. Don't let go of that thing, number one. But while you're there, just declare war on doubt. Declare war on it. While you're there, learn the lesson of putting your trust in Him, of learning how to be single-minded. You know, often that season comes into our life just to focus us, just to bring us to the place where we really, you know, we, we know what God has called us for. We know what He has for our lives. And then we'll see the breakthrough. We'll see Him come through for us. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. What is it in your life that you need to say, God, I'm not going to let go? Until I see this. What is that? What is that? I want to strengthen you in that this morning. I want to speak strength over you into that thing in Jesus' name. I speak the power of God over you this morning. I speak the strength of God into you this morning. I speak the energy, life into you, faith into you this morning to not let go of that thing. Maybe some of you have like kind of put it in the back drawer. Maybe you've put it like in a burn. I don't know. You just, maybe you've even started to give up on it or, or feel like, you know, this thing's not going to happen. I'm here to speak strength over you this morning to encourage you to continue to be single-minded. Continue to hold on to that thing. Go through the process where he burns all that doubt off you, all that unbelief off you, all that self-sufficiency thing off you, where you put your faith really in him. You trust in him completely. Lord, I just speak a refreshing over your congregation this morning. I speak life over your people this morning, Lord God. I speak strength into every person who might be weary, Lord God, in standing in faith, who might be weary in trusting you. I speak strength. I speak encouragement into every soul. Lord, where those dreams and visions have been put down, Lord, I, I thank you that they're being picked up this morning afresh before you. Come Holy Spirit and encourage and lift up every person who needs it this morning. Come refresh, revive the vision, the dream. Come on, let's just thank Him this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are our provider. Thank you that you open your hand. You satisfy every living thing. You provide abundantly beyond what we can hope, dream, or imagine. Lord, I release your blessing of your people this morning, God. May they be empowered to prosper in business, in family, 
and friendship and sports and recreation, Lord, in every area of life and studies. Lord, I speak blessing over your people. May they be fruitful in everything, Lord God, everything they put their hands to. before the Lord, you weep before the Lord this morning. Just be free in the house of God. Jesus, we trust you. on you, Lord. You are our provider, Lord. You're our jackpot. (laughs) You're our exceedingly great reward. Lord, we repent this morning where we've trusted in the arm of the flesh, where we've trusted in our own means to do what only you can actually do, Lord. Some may trust in chariots and horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. trust in you. We believe in you. You are good. You are good. Mm, we trust you. Da, 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 da. We declare, I want you to declare what you're trusting in him for this morning. Like Jacob, I'm not going to let you go, Lord, until I see this. Go for it. Go for it. Practice that ask this morning. Practice it. Lord, I I make some declaration this morning. Lord, I believe. I believe. What do you believe? Declare what you believe this morning. Believe for deliverance. Believe for breakthrough. We believe for salvation. We believe for prosperity. We believe you to make a way. Believe you for that job. We believe. We believe our confidence is in you, Lord. Our trust is in you, Lord. Our strength is in you, Lord. You can do it, God. We're not orphans. We're not street kids. We're not left alone. We're not left without means. We have access to the Father this morning. We have access to the Father. We can come boldly to that throne of grace to find help in time of need. We can find help in time of need. Boldly to your throne of grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I feel like what some of us, we've started something here this morning. We need you now. Take that into your quiet time, okay? Take that into your prayer life this week. Take that into your, yeah. You know, I so encouraged my wife next to her bed. She has five things that she's trusting God for, written on a blue piece of paper next to her bed. That's her, that's her ask. That's her, I'm not letting you go until last either. Some of those things are like years, you know, more than seven years we trust in God for. More, even more, ten, you know. Some of those things, they're there. They're on paper. They're like, there's no double-minded about it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. God, I don't, I don't, I'm not moved by the circumstances, all these ten years, all the lack thereof around me. I am a believer. I, I'm single-minded about what I'm going to see. Some of you need to go and write that out this morning. Go write, a, go write your ask. What is your ask? Put it on the wall. Put it on the wall and, and, and make it defined. Make it determined. Amen? Amen. Come on, guys. You got it. Bless you. God keep you. God make His face to shine on you. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at iandurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.